0: Welcome to the Xamarin Podcast. I'm Pierce Bogan and I'm joined by Mike James. Thanks for joining us again this week. Last week we kicked off Season 2, Episode 1 of the Xamarin Podcast. We're excited to be back. We managed to make it to Episode 2. Uh, thank God. Uh, yeah, it was always touch and go. Always touch yeah, and go. Always. Um, so we're going to try and keep the same format as last week. You know, We're going to have this week in Xamarin, uh, which we'll do right now, and then we'll have some sort of freeform discussion afterwards. So this week in Xamarin, uh, we have a whole bunch of new announcements as far as parties and exciting events coming up uh, in the coming weeks. Yeah, so
1: we've got Google I.O. and then we've got the, the party WWDC. So, you know, there's a lot happening in the mobile world at the moment with, the, with these conferences. And, you know, naturally, Xamarin is going to throw a party around the corner from each of the conference centers. But unfortunately, I don't get to attend any of them. So I hope they've got a camera set up so I can Skype in and drink at home and watch
0: yeah they look they look like they're gonna be a lot of fun um so if you're going to either google io or WWDC, or maybe you're in like the san francisco area you should definitely check it out um you can check out the show notes or you know just google xamarin google io or wwdc party um so the google I/O party is going to be on wednesday may 27th from 7 to 10 p.m at the Southside spirit house in in san francisco and then uh, a couple weeks later uh, at WWDC, we'll be having a party at the Ro Restaurant on Tuesday, June 9th from six to nine PM. So, you know, if you're in the area, um, just come, hang out with some fellow mobile developers. We'll have drinks and appetizers, and it'll be a good time. Unfortunately, me or Mike won't be there. Though. Yeah,
1: we won't be there. We'll be there in spirit, though. Um, yes, we will. What's really cool with the Google I/O party that we're throwing? We're actually going to bring along the Test Cloud Wall, which is a wall of you know physical devices, just like you would find in our warehouse in Denmark. And it's running through uh, some tests, and it's it's pretty cool. So you can uh, you can see some tests happening across. I think it's like sixty devices. So it's pretty exciting. If you've ever wondered what lies in our secret warehouse in Denmark, um, you, you can kind of catch a
0: glimpse of that here. Yeah, the build the build wall is pretty cool. I think it was our the test cloud wall. The reason I call it the build wall is because uh, it was actually featured at build. So if you saw it at build, uh, you know it's pretty awesome. So that might be something cool to check out. If you can't make it to WWDC, uh, we also have tons of great content available online for you to check out, uh, featuring Mike James, woo, uh, James Wantamagno, and other fellow Xamarin developer evangelists, um, although I think in this particular blog post, they're the only two mentioned. Uh, so we have great videos coming up all the time, so you can always stay up to date. A lot of them are on Channel 9. A lot of them are hosted elsewhere as well. In particular, Mike, uh, what what talk do you have up recently? Um, so it was a talk that I gave
1: in Berlin. So I think it was Berlin Tech Days. Um, so I was immortalized forever. There's a film crew at the back of the room that, that caught every moment of that presentation. And that was a kind of overview of Xamarin. So we we, we went from everything. And a 45-minute session, we covered traditional Xamarin, Xamarin Forms, Xamarin. In- I think we did a bit of test cloud as well. Um, so we really, you know, we took a three-hour presentation and we crammed it into 45 45- if you've ever wondered about a very high-level overview of all of our products, go, go and give that a I mean, we often get filmed as evangelists, um, and these get put onto channels. For example, I've got a, a three-hour that was recorded yesterday. Um, it's going to be dubbed over in Russian. Um, but yeah, so that's going on online uh, relatively soon on channel. 10.
0: Yeah, and if you do want to see Xamarin Live, like we said, we have the WWDC party, we have the Google I/O party. And then then in an area near you, hopefully, there's a Xamarin user group meeting. And you can find all those at xamarin.meetup.com. And a lot of those are also posted in the Xamarin events forum. So you just go to xamarinforums.xamarin.com and click on the events forum. You can see all the latest events happening in the Xamarin community all over the world, um, which is pretty awesome. And speaking of events that are in person, we talked a little bit about Xamarin Dev Days last time. And since we've talked, they kicked off. Uh, we have three or four under our belt. I can't remember the exact number, but they seem to be going great. Uh, so what exactly is Xamarin Dev Days, for those who don't know?
1: Well, you know, it's, it's a day of having the amazing James Montemagno come and teach you uh, in in workshop styles. So you, you, you turn up with your laptop, with Xamarin installed, and you're going to build some apps, you're going to learn some of the new features, and... Uh, You're going to get to network with other people within uh, the mobile space that want to use C-sharp. So it's great for learning, but it's also great for networking as well. These have proven to be very popular. And I'm getting calls from lots of developers over in Europe saying, hey, we want Dev Days to come to Europe. And if you're a European listening to this, then, you know, we've heard heard those cries. And uh, we will be uh, working on bringing it to Europe. But we're going to get America under our belt first. And then... uh, We'll see if we can ship James over for a few of them. Uh, but otherwise, it will be running these workshops.
0: Yeah, it's, it's great to see all the community interest in Dev Days. And, you know, we hope to see them all over the world. So uh, hopefully that continues. In other news, the Xamarin Profiler, which you haven't heard of, helps you in profile Xamarin apps, you can find memory leaks, that sort of thing, and, and really get your, get your app up to five stars, make sure the performance is, is five star quality. Uh, released a new preview, 0.15 preview. I've been using the Xamarin profiler on all my apps. It's amazing. Um, it's really easy as well. Like for, right from Xamarin Studio, you know, you can there's a there's a drop-down and you just hit profile and it'll build your app and it'll start profiling it automatically. And you can see, hey, like, why do I have all these, you know, bytes all over the place? And you'll be like, oh wait, I shouldn't have initialized that there. I always seem to make some mistake like that. But it's super easy to find those things with the Xamarin Profiler, which is really, really nice. And in addition to the Xamarin Profiler announcement, the new preview coming out, zero point one five, there's also a new release blog. So moving forward, if you want to, you know, what's going on with the latest in Xamarin releases, uh, and that goes for all the Xamarin product lines. So from Xamarin iOS, Xamarin Android, Xamarin Forms, the Android player, all that. It's all going to be posted on the release blog, release.xamarin.com. So you can stay up to date with all the latest releases, find out what's in them, that sort of thing. Um, which is pretty awesome because I know sometimes it's hard to see, okay, when you get a new update, what exactly does this update do for me? But yeah, the release blog is pretty awesome.
1: Yes, pretty perfect way to find out what new features are available which is great because often you know, you'll know you get it installed and then you get the release notes and then you're like, oh, okay, that's interesting. But now we can go and find out what's new before we've installed it. Um, so talking of uh, blogs, I, I recently, you know this week, wrote a blog post on HomeKit, which is something, you know, a technology within iOS 8 that really interests me. Um, so for those of you who don't know, before I worked for Xamarin, I worked for a lighting control manufacturer in London. So... We built lighting controllers that controlled the lights on things like the London Eye, um, all of the bridges along the Thames. And, you know, if it was a big lighting installation uh, around the world, it was probably using that that system. So so lighting controllers, you know, a bit of a passion of mine, you could say. And so when Apple announced HomeKit, I got really excited. And especially when they stood on stage and say, hey, we've got Philip Hughes as a partner. I was like, yes, I've already got Philip Hughes. This is amazing. And then I found out, you know, Philips Hughes doesn't work with HomeKit just yet, um, which is a shame. There were accessories announced at CES 2015. And these are things from like wall sockets that you can control from your iPhone to, to light bulbs. Uh, I saw a couple of kettles because naturally, you know, when you're sat in the office going all the way downstairs to, to boil the kettle and wasting the, that, that precious 60 seconds. Nope, we're going we're gonna to start the kettle boiling from upstairs. Um, so I, I wrote uh, a blog post on HomeKit and how you can get started with it, because there isn't a great deal of information out there for developers. Um, certainly, when I Google HomeKit, uh, a lot of the information I find is just kind of a press release that has been, you know, written by one person and then put on a million different blogs. Um, so I wanted to put something out there that you know would help developers understand how to use the technology and, and why to use it. Um, So I'm going to say my favourite thing about HomeKit is the possibility of using Siri. So the general concept is that you have these homes, you can have multiple homes, naturally, you know, your summer house by the lake, who hasn't got... You have uh, the the multiple homes and each home has a unique name and within the home you have rooms which have unique names to that home and within the rooms you have accessories that again have unique names. And these accessories are things like those lamps, the, the kettles, the the, uh, the wall sockets that are all, you know, controlled by HomeKit. And what it means is that we can say to Siri, hey Siri, turn my lights off in Guildford. And it doesn't matter where we are, it's just going to go and turn those lights off. Um, or you can be more precise and say, Siri, uh, turn, turn my Dyson fan off. And if you've plugged in the power socket with that's HomeKit enabled, and named it Dyson fan then it's going to cut the power to your fan. So at this point it's going to feel like you're walking around you know the starship enterprise and being able to just ask a computer to do exactly what you want and it's going to do it and I I can't tell you how much it excites me that I could have a home kit enabled but my my general concern is I live in Europe and all the devices I've seen all the accessories that have been announced appear to all be just for the US which of course you you guys are on 110 volts right
0: We don't know. We just are ignorant about those sorts of things.
1: Brilliant. I'm pretty sure you're on 110 volts and we're on uh, 220 over here. So I don't think I'm going to just be able to go and buy HomeKit accessories in the US and bring them over to the UK and use them. Um, So I'm going to have to hold out and and, and wait to see. But if you're interested in home automation, you know, you've got an iOS then I highly recommend checking out HomeKit. I, I fully expect especially with the rumors that are going around about WWDC and the focus on things like Apple TV, I fully expect HomeKit to be you know, pretty pretty up there in terms of features that we're going to see in iOS 9 um, being switched on and manufacturers really pushing. And yeah, I, I, I'm as I say, I'm really, really excited about this. So if you're interested in home automation, check out the blog post. Um, we've got some sample code as well that we're going to throw up onto GitHub. And I'm going to be writing about this post-WWDC with uh, What's New?, um, and putting together a little sample app so you guys can get started with that.
0: Yeah, HomeKit's one of those like APIs that when you hear about it, you're like, dang! This act- when we talk about the future, this is like actually what we think of. Yeah. Like being able to be in my bed and you know turn on my coffee pot or cut off my lights when I'm watching a movie. That sort of thing is like pretty cool. And in the blog post, you actually show off some of the APIs, and it's not like a super complex API in any. Like you would think it'd be super super complex because you're doing all this crazy stuff. But HomeKit's awesome in that, it, you know, it encapsulates all that for you and it makes it really easy and gives you a really easy to use API.
1: Yeah, they've, they've done a phenomenal job because, you know, all these devices, have, a lot of them have been available on the market already for a while. Like, you've been able to control your lights with Philips Hughes, you've been able to buy sockets that you put on the wall and you can control from a separate app, but you've always got these separate apps and they're all proprietary systems. You weren't able to, you know, communicate from one place and that's what HomeKit solves. So, and the fact that they've given that to us in this really, really simple API, it's, they've done an amazing job, Um, which is, again, why I'm so excited about it. It's just, I I think it's the perfect API for for home automation. And I'm going to automate everything. If there's there's a feature in my house that isn't automated and I haven't finished, I'm going to have blinds, my front door, and I don't even want to, you know, touch the toilet flusher. I want to do that on my phone as well. I want everything to be, to be HomeKit enabled.
0: <laughs> when, I co- when I come to your house, I'm going to uh, write a HomeKit app, and I'm just going to screw with you and mess with all your smart accessories. <laughs> 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 so we also had some great content from our community this week. Keith Rome wrote a great blog post on uh, lighting up native platform features in Xamarin Forms. So if you're not aware, Xamarin Forms, you know, three platforms, one shared, you know, UI. You're writing it from one code base but you still have access to all the native APIs. And so Keith has written a, po- written a post here about how you can customize the UI table view on iOS uh, with Xamarin Forms. So if there's something, for example, like th- that you want to do, like maybe add like you know, the little check mark or the info button or something like that, I, I know they have more uh, technical names uh, in, your- in your UI table view cells. By default, Xamarin.Forms is going to give you that interface you know, to build up your list view and to build up your cells and all that stuff. But maybe you want a little bit finer level of control with uh, custom renders in Xamarin Forms. you can do that. And so Keith Rome's written a great post telling you how to do that.
1: And also from the community, we've had uh, John Dick, who actually works for Xamarin, but he's posted this on his uh, personal blog. Uh, improvements Google Play services. So if you're an Android developer and you use Google Play services, I'd imagine you are using Google Play services if you're an Android developer, because why wouldn't you? Um, we've actually got some improvements uh, that John John's released onto NuGet. Uh, so this you know gives you the latest and greatest APIs that are available to those Java developers because we always want to have that uh, you know compatibility. They can't we don't want them being able to create stuff that we can't in C sharp. Um, and you know he's he's generally improved the API. So, you know, I, I still look at it and I see things like cast.cast and I think, hmm. Not as nice as iOS, but, uh, you know, that's just because I'm definitely an iOS guy. But if you are an Android guy and you use Google Play services, and you should 100% check out John's blog posts on all the exciting changes to this NuGet package. So that's this week in Xamarin. Um, and we actually had James Montemagno join us last week to discuss plugins for Xamarin, which allow you to share more code between iOS, Android, and Windows Phone. So it's like Xamarin Forms, but for non-UI things. Why don't we bring him into the loop and let's have a chat with him about that so hey james thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come and talk zam plugins with us you know i've been using zam plugins myself with xamarin forms and the traditional style apps so i'm already familiar with how they work um, but maybe you could give us a brief overview of why you created them and what the problem was you were trying to solve
2: Sure. Well, first, thanks, uh, Pierce and Mike, for having me on. It's a, it's a joy and privilege every single time I get to chat with the two of you. Uh, and it's great just to actually have another channel to reach out to developers and tell them awesome tools to kind of accelerate their application development. So, well, the thing with Xamarin Plugins, um, how it all started is when I was building my original apps when I used to work for Seton. I was, I was working on apps across iOS, Android, and Windows Phone, and Store. And I ran into several problems... Uh, mostly with, I mean, problems in the sense that I needed a way to get down into platform-specific code. I was writing a lot of like RESTful service calls and tying into SQL databases, but there was times that I would need to dive in and get access to the native bits. Uh, one instance that I had was I wanted to be able to um, tie into NS user default shared preferences and isolated storage for the, the local devices settings. Yeah, and, and the reason that this was important and a lot of people are like oh what if you just save a json file around right and that will just be your cross-platform settings well i didn't like that because i'm an android guy and android has this amazing mechanism so does ios like in the settings screen that you can you can create an entire setting screen from xml and you specify your attributes so this is an integer this is a boolean it'll create your whole screen for you which is really nice and we had a lot of settings so i really originally created the settings abstraction because I said, well, what are we doing as .NET developers? I want to access these native features. I'll create an interface. I'll get in and I'll get into the native code. And it really wasn't shareable. That was the problem is for a long time, it wasn't shareable until we had full portable class library support. So plugins started originally with my concept of of settings. And when MVVM Cross came along, uh, which is a great cross-platform UI toolkit um, from Stuart, one of our MVPs, uh, you know, he had this concept of an MVVM cross plugin. So I created a settings plugin. And later on down the road, I said, well, why does it have to be restricted to a single framework? Like why, why do our, our users, our developers, have to be forced to, to pick to pick a platform? What if some of are using Xamarin Forms, some are using MVVM cross, some are just doing native development? Yep. Wouldn't it be great if I just had this immense toolkit of libraries to access that native functionality? So instead of writing geolocation code or battery status or adding badges or um, tying into the camera or cryptography, what if I just had a simple cross-platform API I could then put into my view model or um, into my shared code in a PCL or in shared code projects? So that's kind of like the basis of what a um, a Xamarin plugin is, it's just another library that accesses the native functionality and you don't have to worry about it. So you'll get a a NuGet, essentially, that you'll download into all of your projects. So inside of your PCL project is just the abstraction, so just the interface that you're coding against, and then the native bits actually get plugged in to your iOS, Android, Windows Phone, or Store applications based on what uh, it's using. And then from there, you're just good to go. You want to access contacts. You want to access camera or, or cryptography or device information or accelerometer, gyroscope. There's tons. And I've created about 10 plugins, but it's really the community. So I know you said, like, I created them, but, you know, it's I came up with the, the idea of, of breaking free of any platform um, and, and kind of naming them. I think we all work together on the naming and, and working on a way to get up and running with templates really easily uh, but really, the community has been amazing. Has been creating amazing plugins uh, for Xamarin across the board, and it's really rapidly increasing development time for develop developers that need to just access something really fast.
1: Yeah, I mean the, the thing that I love using it for is the, the geolocation. It's taken something you know that would take me thirty minutes to to get set up just for one platform, and now you know I go onto NuGet, I add a package, and boom, it's one line of code that I can share across you know all of the platforms. So. Yeah, super powerful.
2: Yeah, it's pretty amazing. You know, I was creating a, I was down in Dallas for a conference and I wanted to show off a Google Places API or like being able to use the geolocator plugin in some fashion. So I created an entire application for a demo. <laughs> that's that's kind of how I do it sometimes called Coffee Filter, which I thought was the most clever name ever because you get, you put coffee and it filters. It's, Pierce, you get it. It's a good name. It's a good name. Pierce, Gets it. I th- as a developer, I was like, oh, that's clever. Like, I'm pretty sure I sat there when I typed and I was like, that's clever. Uh, <laughs> so I, I created I created Coffee Filter and I blogged about it a bunch by now at this point. But it was really interesting because I needed geolocation. I wanted to launch the Maps application to uh, to, to get directions for my users. And then I also wanted just connectivity. Like, am I connected to the Internet? So if I'm not connected to the Internet, why well, even bother doing en- anything was my idea. So... I was able to build this original application in just a few days, well, a few hours, really, like prototype it. because so I had the geolocation. I had the, if, if I'm connected or not, plugin, my connectivity plugin, and I had an external map. So I could just say, here's the GPS lat long, launch the maps application, Apple Maps or Google Maps, and boom, it's good to go. And then I was just working with my standard APIs at that point, you know, just calling in to deserialize some JSON and shove it in a UI. And it, it was a thing of beauty, just to see how rapidly I could just start pulling these packages in and get going.
1: That is awesome. So if, if there's someone that's listening and they're like, right, I want to make a, a plugin, a Zam plugin. Is it Zam plugin or Xamarin plugin? What are we calling Xamarin? Uh, we, ca-
2: we call them plugins for Xamarin.
1: Ah, interesting.
2: Yes. So when you when you search, uh, we ca- we came up with this naming convention uh, to really make it simplified for NuGet. So when you go to to, to NuGet, you, s- you type in plugin for Xamarin. Uh, if developers are following this naming scheme, it's usually, usually plug-in for Xamarin or plugin for Xamarin and Windows um, okay. is how I kind of name all mine. So that way you know it's for Xamarin, iOS, and Android, and also for Windows Phone or Windows Store based on the docs that you're reading. Uh, so that mainly makes it easy. Now, a lot of the, the the names of the packages are a little bit different. So I think all mine are called Xam.plugin because uh, I never want to use when I'm creating my own plugins or libraries or anything, I never use the Xamarin namespace because even though I work for Xamarin, I mean, that that should be reserved for the official packages the coming from Xamarin. That, yeah. These are for what we're doing, yeah, for what the team's doing, uh, where these are just open source plugins for me. So it, it, that way no one gets confused out in the world. I would never publish a package called Microsoft. or Google. You know? Uh, So even even you'll see uh, for like Google Play services or the support libraries for Android, they're all xamarin.android.whatever because those are packages coming from our team. So we're not hijacking uh, the company's name. And that's just standard convention, I think. So all mine are called xam.plugin. That way uh, makes it easy, but you can get, anyone can find. So there's two things that you can do. You can find a list of the plugins at github.com slash plugins. It's a really nice page that I keep up to date and you can always add your own plugin by submitting a pull request on there. Uh, and it shows you the name, a description of what the plugin does, a link to the new Git, a link to docs and source. So the GitHub, because all these are open source under MIT and whoever the creator is. So you can actually take a look and, and find them on Twitter and ask them questions about their libraries because sometimes you know it might need more documentation or do, is it gonna do this or is it supposed to be doing that? And then on the bottom of that page, you'll find a way how to create plugins. And what's really great there is that I've created a Visual Studio plugin templates for VS 2012, 2013, and 15. So you add one of these puppies, um, you, you add this puppy in this templates plugin from the gallery and you say, file new plugin for Xamarin, and it creates everything for you. It'll create your iOS, Android, Windows Phone, Windows Store, your PCL, your abstractions for you. you and then at that point, you're just like, good to go. You put in your interface. I want to do XYZ. I want to share some text. I want to share a photo. And then you implement it on each platform. And then you need to publish it to NuGet. So I've made that even easier as well. So you say, add new file. To your existing solution and you'll see a plugin for Xamarin new spec and then boom it just does your entire new spec for you. So there is a little bit up and uh, running process but on that page I also linked to a little webinar that I gave on, on Google Plus a few months back when we did our contest uh, which was fantastic. We had like uh, I don't know almost 30 or so 30-35 entries I think. Wow. Which was really great. So so you've made it? Yep. Like
1: insanely easy for people to get started with making their own plugins as well as consuming the plugins that have been made by yourself and the community.
2: Yeah, you know, we, we also, you're also then at that point able to take it and put it on NuGet because NuGet's super simple to get up and running. I also am a big fan of creating components for all my plugins. So a component uh, on the component store, so the Xamarin component store is like all these great libraries, user, user interface, anything else. But you can also um, bundle a new, a NuGet package into a component. And what's really cool about this is that NuGet's very like, minimalistic. It's like, here's a DLL and go to town and try to find the documentation and go. If you put your plugin into a component, you create a sample application that your, your developers will get. Uh, and then you get to put the documentation right there. So it's a little bit easier to get up and running. It just downloads your, your NuGet so they'll get updates even if... You, know, you don't update your component right away. It'll still pop up in Xamarin Studio or Visual Studio that your NuGet needs to be updated. But this is really nice because they added, it's good promotion, it's, its discoverability of your plugin, uh, and then also just the documentation. So it's a little bit more work, but if you want that little bit of extra, it's good to go. Yeah, and, and there's tons of, of great reasons that any developer would even wanna create a plugin. Um, I mean, one, you're helping your fellow developers and you talk about it, promote it. I've seen a series of blog posts about it. I know our student ambassadors are loving it. Um, And then if you look at our perks, if you go to the the GitHub slash Xamarin slash plugins, what's really nice is we do have a a Xamarin open source subscription. So you'll be eligible for that, which means that if you're maintaining open source projects, you get a, a complimentary Xamarin subscription, not for production use, but for testing your plugins and things like that. And then also, besides helping your developers, you, you really win our undying love. It says it right on the GitHub page. I mean, li- literally, I'm looking at it, and that's what I wrote, our undying love. It's reason enough to get started. Um,
1: but thank you, James, for coming onto the podcast and giving us an introduction to plugins for Xamarin. If anyone out there wants to get in touch with you, how can they find you?
2: Sure. Well, thank you, uh, Pierce and Mike, for having me on. Yeah, you can get a hold of me at any time. Mostly on Twitter is where you're going to find me, uh, at James Montamagno. nice, short, and sweet. Uh, and then you can also find me uh, obviously on the Xamarin blog. You can find me everywhere in person, running around giving presentations. But if you want to follow me and my developments, uh, you go to MOTZ.codes, MOTZ dot codes. MOTS codes. Uh, that's the entire URL, it's very fancy. Uh, and you'll find my development blog to so see like different things, different plugins I'm creating. And then also on the right-hand side, you'll see where you can see me present. So I'll be kind of flying everywhere. I'm leaving Seattle for six weeks and be everywhere. uh, Part of Xamarin Dev Days, which I'm super excited about. Uh, So I hope to see everyone around. And thanks again. Cool. Thanks, James.
0: Thanks for joining us on the Xamarin Podcast. I'm Pierce Bogan, And I'm Mike James. See you next time.